Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. And with the 100th running of the 2000 guineas at the Curra, the weekend, I suppose, Andrew, I'm supposed to say Irish 2000 guineas, aren't I? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> 2,000 guineas at the car, the Irish 2,000 guineas. Uh, you know that there's going to be a whole lot of value with tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official tote app. So make sure you're getting involved and taking advantage of Tote Plus. You cannot get that with the affiliate sites. You can't get it with partner sites. You can only get Tote Plus and the 10% extra at tote.co.uk or .ie. Whichever one suits you. Andrew Blair White is alive and he is here. Andrew, uh, how has cricket commentary been treating you, my friend? Yeah, very good. Been very busy uh, getting into the, the cricket season as well. And uh, But I've been keeping my eyes firmly peeled to all this flat action and been trying to immerse myself in it this year. So uh, hopefully we might find a winner or two for the Derby and the Oaks you know that would be absolutely lovely I, I feel it's not dissimilar to like Cheltenham if I was to pick out the Derby winner this year I think my flash racing career will have peaked there and I may well just retire when I'm ahead <laughs> so that's it you're out until the jump season is like a WhatsApp message from you going yeah Kenneth I'm done and uh, I'll see you, see you at Cheltenham. See you for the jump season. Yeah, something around that. You can pick me up at Chepstow in October. <laughs> Let's start with the Derby. So we've had a number of trials. Obviously, the Irish um, 2000 guineas, the 100th running at the Curra. And best of luck to Pacquiao and all the team at the Curra as well. Um, I hope that goes very, very smoothly for them. And uh, we'll be previewing that with uh, Roy DeLarge tomorrow and reviewing it with Sarah Lynham uh, next week. Rishi Passat is coming on the show in a couple of weeks' time as well. Um, but we've had the significant trials. Uh, now, we do know that last year was a... My assessment of last year's Derby is that it was a weird year where you didn't have Chester, you didn't have the vast... Like, the Bally Sacks was run after the Derby. So a horse like Serpentine caught people on the hop. A fair play to some Final Furlong podcast listeners. They backed him. And better than me, fair play to you. Uh, we're so impressed with his maiden victory and um, the fact that Coolmore supplemented him that they went for him. Uh, but I think that that was just a weird running of the race in that, and I would somewhat discount it, albeit that I will respect Serpentine every time he runs this year, and I'm very interested to see what he does. But it was, a, it was a strange year for many reasons, but mostly because you had Derby trials effectively at Royal Ascot. You had Mogul running over a mile four for the first time in his life. He'd never gone over a mile at Royal Ascot. So you couldn't really expect anything but a bizarre result, which is actually what we said on the podcast. We just didn't guess the right one, unfortunately. I think Rory did put in a strong word for Serpentine, to be fair. Um but uh, this year, we have had the, tri the trials and the significant ones. So between Chester, York, Leopardstown, uh, the 2,000 guineas, the 1,000 guineas when it comes to the Oaks, which trial do you view as the strongest in your opinion? I think oh, overall, Emmett, like there's no getting away from the fact that the most impressive individual horse has been Bolshoi Ballet uh, in the two Leopardstown races in the Ballystacks and the Darrenstown, usually good trials as well. 
Uh, that being said, as much as he's been visually impressive, I'm not sure really about the depth of those races. You know, he's being beaten similar horses, flying visit. Jim Bulger horse is a grand horse, but probably not up to group one level. Lock Dirk, Fernando Vici and Taipan, he, he beat in both races. And probably that's a fair indicator with the way he beat them lengthwise that he come forward from the Bally Sacks in the Darnstown. But those aren't horses that are going to be making a mark at group one level. And Max Swinney looked dreadfully in need of the run in the Darnstown and yeah. drifted out from, a, I think, six to seven to four in the morning to 10 to three at, at SP and, and ran like he needed it as well. So, and, and potentially one softer ground. So as much as he's been the most visually impressive horse he is quite short considering the horses he's beaten, I believe. Um, like, realistically, in terms of what he's done, he does deserve to be the favourite. But whether you want to be going in on a horse at 7-4 to four who's beaten that calibre of horse wouldn't be for me, uh, personally speaking. I thought I, I quite liked the Dante as a race. Uh, I'm probably coming into this, I, I will preface all of this by saying that I'm relatively biased because I've backed one horse in this race at quite a big price and he's no longer quite a big price. Uh, and it was the winner of the Dante, this Hurricane Lane. Oh. And I just really like him as a horse. Whether he's up to winning a derby or not, I'm not sure, but I really do like him. And I just... I know people will, will want to tell me I'm wrong on this, but I can't understand at this time of each of these two horses' career how high definition is going to reverse this form in, in the derby. Yeah, agreed. Um, he just, uh, he looks a little bit like Japan to be high definition. Like, that's... I'm, I'm almost you certain know, we made that comparison actually on, on Monday's show. Um, and I fully agree with you, but, but by all means, um, expand on why you think that's the case. Well, he, he just looks a little backward and he's obviously been a little bit hard to train. They haven't, they were looking to get a, a prep run into him earlier than the Dante. They didn't. Then he runs quite well in the Dante, giving you the hope that he might run well in the Derby. He may well run well in the Derby, but not win it. And mm. then he could well go on to Royal Ascot and run in that group too, the mile four race there. And King Edward the go on. seventh? Yeah, exactly. And he could go on and maybe run in, in an Irish Derby and, and go very close in that. I'm not saying he's not a bad horse by any stretch, but... I remember Japan going off in the Derby twenty to one. Geez, you could back them each way at that price. High definitions four to one. Like, and I, I don't care what people will tell me. Like, that's just a brutal price. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a dismal price, and people are clinging on to I think anti post tickets, hoping for the best that he might he might have turned inside out since that run at York. I'm not. I think he'll have improved for that run at York but not enough. And I don't think this winner's getting anywhere near the amount of credit he deserves, this Hurricane Lane, because he just looks like one of these horses that loves to win. Uh, and those are horses that I enjoy backing because in all three of his starts so far, you'd two, three furlongs out, you'd go, oh, geez, is he really actually going to win here? You no, know, he looks flat to the boards. He's being pumped along. 
and then he finds and finds and then gets the job done. Like you, you watch back to Dante three furlongs out, you would have thought there's not a hope in hell that Hurricane Lane's going to win the race. And then he goes and wins at Cosley by three quarters of a length. I think you'd be suited by the step up in trip. I see uh, he's as big as eight to one in a couple in a place or two. Still, I still think that's a good each way bet. I don't think he'll be out of the first four on the day, Hurricane Lane. I think he's gutsy. He's more streetwise than other horses that have only just had three runs. And one you could easily compare in terms of that three runs is this John Leaper, who has been a bit of a leaper in the market after he won at Newmarket last weekend. He just looks vastly experienced, though, and you're getting... Sorry for completely missing the timing there, but yeah, that deserves a bit of tish. <laughs> but he's just getting... Yeah, sorry, that was terrible for me. Um, but like you're getting almost the same price about him, and he looks far too inexperienced for the derby, as Hurricane Lane looks like more of a gutsy, battle-hardened horse. Uh, so that's probably where I'd be going at the moment in terms of the Dante. Uh, I In terms of the other trials, yeah, if... Just at the current prices, if you were to throw Van Gogh or McSwinney at me, I might pl- have a play on them because they're bigger prices. Uh, I didn't like the Lingfield race at all. Uh, I know Anthony Van Dyke won that. English King won it last year. That third round, that wouldn't be for me. Yeah, that English remember. King form worked out real well, didn't it? Oh, gee, it is. <laughs> I just remember that la- last year because it was actually just the first good horse everyone had seen for two or three months no racing on and then the first sign of any horse of use and everyone's there going oh that's the derby winner he's the superstar uh, yeah yeah i don't believe third round will be winning the derby that's for sure i didn't it looked a poor race to me the two o'brien horses in that race need around two miles not a mile and a half and a dare i was a little bit disappointed about actually i thought he'd win that race for charlie appleby didn't really go through with it. So uh, I wouldn't be taking that form brilliantly. So probably the Dante form, just in terms of, I think the winner is the best price. Uh, I think the favourite has a favourite's chance, but probably too short in the market at that 7-4 to four price, given what he's beaten, because he's beaten an undercooked McSwinney and a bunch of group two, group three horses. Well, let's let's look at the market and then dismantle it, basically. So, Balsha Ballet is a best price 15 to 8. You can get that with one firm. Um, pretty much everybody else is going 7 to 4. Uh, is he only 7 to 4 in the day? Really? I don't think he will be. Uh, high definition 4s. He drifts. He must drift. Like, he's, he's going to be... Can't, I can't see who's backing him at 4 to 1. Like, I really can't. Un- unless you're clinging, as you said, unless yeah. you're clinging on to, to anti-post dockets. Uh, Mohafith, Moh- I think I got it out right this time, uh, eights after making a complete balls of it. Uh, John Leeper, completely in agreement with you, I think he, and we've, we actually touched on this with um, Lucy and Kate as well, and they were both in agreement too, that impeccably bred, but does not look like a horse who will cope with Epsom despite the fact that um, he's out of uh, an Oaks winner in, in Snow Ferry, just looks like a horse that is is a typical Frankel. He's way too keen to get around there. Um, Hurricane Lane, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I think the eights is embarrassingly big, and there's a lot of firms that are adjusting and going down to fives. 
Uh, Van Gogh, I really hope we don't see him at the weekend. There's a possibility that he runs in the Irish 2000 guineas. I'm very much hoping that he that he skips that, but maybe they feel he needs it. Um, I retain the faith in him, and um, Max Sweeney was the other horse that you were quite keen on then, uh, 20s. So there'll be plenty of people then who are, who are saying, whoa, 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 hang on a second now. High definition got beat, and you're saying no. Max Sweeney got beaten, you're saying yes. But there's a massive price differential here. And there's also the the fact that Max Sweeney won a Group 1, which is very good at throwing up classic winners, the Virgin Fortuity. Um, and it, it's pretty obvious now, it, with the benefit of hindsight, that Max Sweeney just was not ready for the 2,000 guineas because that's how he ran behind... Uh, Bolshoi Ballet, like a horse who desperately needed it. Um, uh, he might also need soft ground. It's it's entirely possible that, that soft ground is something he needs as well. But the word on the street here, and I'm not far from where Bolger trains, is that this fella is, he's an absolute superstar. And um, Bolger can't wait to unleash him. Um, so the favorite then, uh, as as people are looking at the market, um, are you expecting bigger on the day? Uh, I would be expecting pretty similar, if I'm being honest. I think pe- pe- people like him. Uh, he's, you know, maybe you might guess. Would you get nine to four or five to two on the day? Maybe I think um, you could. You might. Yeah, you might get a small drift on him. I certainly wouldn't be backing him right now. And uh, I I think it's interesting though with what you're saying there about McSwinney. I think it's been quite a clever ploy here by Jim Bulger. He's actually thrown this horse flying visitor around the place uh, blatantly just as a kind of tester of form, I believe. And he came second in the in the Bally Sacks and then he went over and ran in the Dante. Like, I don't... You know, Bulger doesn't throw over too many to the Dante and I think it's just measuring form with McSwinney as to what he has on his hands there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something to just bear in mind. Uh, but Flying Visit got beaten an awful lot further in the Dante than he did in the Valley Sacks. So it uh, would indicate that that Dante run, as much as a bit strange, because obviously the O'Brien horse under Hoddy Doyle went out in front very quick there. And those races can sometimes get a bit messy when you've got a, a, a horse that goes that quick and then kind of fades late. Um, but no, I, I think that, that, form, that form will be decent enough because high definition will be a group one horse later on this year. I'm just not sure whether he'll be ready for a derby, and I just don't think it's a good price. As I say, if if high definition was a double-figure price, I'd be very tempted in, in maybe having a couple of quid on, on him for the derby, put it four to one, that's just dismal. Well, the other point to make here is that we're looking at anti-post markets, and my point to Rory about uh, Santa Barbara the one thing that I got over Rory, the one thing that I uh, can hold over Rory is I was right, you were wrong. Ha! Um, was that anti-post betting's dead. Like, you try and have a big bet on this race with the vast majority of high street firms. Ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Um, you spread it out and you might be able to get on. Um, but... As these, like you've got on Hurricane Lane, uh, can can I ask you what price you have? 
Uh, for fear of dreadful aftertiming, I do have 33s. There's nothing, nothing aftertiming with that because you're saying it before the race. Your account's going to get clamped. Why not? I've waved goodbye to it. If that horse, to be fair though, if that horse does go and win the Derby, and I've back to the thirty threes, I'll be closing the accounts myself. (laughs) Bye, bye, bye. Um, Yeah, and well done by the way. That that was a a fantastic bet and a a great piece of uh, foresight from you as well, Uh, because Godolphin went into the Derby and to the Classics with arguably a very strong hand at the start of the season, and it fell apart, except for this guy. And Charlie Appleby has has raved about him in that he, he was saying that the reason they sent him to the Dante was that they felt he was the right one, that he was the one that would be able to do it. The rest of them all fell to bits. Um, meanwhile, he's holding his form. And as you said, that, that thing about he loves to win, um, and he's handled undulations at Newmarket, uh, I don't think d- distance is going to be a problem for him at all. Um, he's a Frankel who I don't have concerns about in that that keenness that you see with um, John Leaper's not there. It's it's not as uh, as uh, as obvious with him. Um, I see the favorite drifting, uh, but the other point to make about all of this and favorites drifting and prices that high definition could end up being is. Part of the reason why the anti-post market is the way that it is, is because, to be fair to the odds compilers, they don't have a clue who's going to be on Bolshoi Ballet and who's going to be on High Definition. If Frankie Dettori is on Bolshoi Ballet and Ryan Moore is on High Definition, then all the cards go into the air. Um, If it's... Ryan Moore on, on Balshoi Ballet, Frankie Dettori on Van Gogh, and it turns out that it's, uh, with the greatest of respect, Shamey or Wayne Lorden on high definition, then people are going to lose interest in those horses because there are there is the, the blind faith in backing Ryan Moore in the Derby, the blind faith of backing, um, of backing Frankie Dettori in, in the Derby as well. And I think on the day it was Wayne Lorden who rode Japan. And that probably did contribute to, to Japan drifting to the extent that he did. Um, Shemi Heffernan rode Anthony Van Dyke to victory uh, with Mad Moon in, in behind. Uh, Donica was on Broom and Ryan Moore was on Sir Dragon A. Frankie Dettoria was on Circus Maximus. So the jockey bookings are going to be really, really interesting. And I suspect, I suspect that, um, yeah, he should be. Frankie should be available for, for Coolmore. John Gosling doesn't really have anything, does he? No, not that I. No, he's he's got a cup. He's got like one or two outsiders for Godolphin. Um, he does have uh, Dirab, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, w- I wouldn't be overly gone on him either. Like he's been beaten twice, so um, not not so sure about that. So I'd, I would imagine that Frankie will be available for Coolmore, and it will be very very interesting to see what they do in terms of who does Ryan ride? Because it's not a done deal that he's going to be on Belshire Ballet for the reasons that you've explained. What has he beaten? How good is that form? Um, The Bolger horse being, who's a gelding who can't run the derby, but being shipped all around to test the form, which is actually an Aidan O'Brien tactic. That's an Aidan O'Brien tried and tested tactic. Let's uh, turn up in all of these derby trials and see 
see uh, how good the form is. Um, so I wouldn't touch high definition right now. I don't particularly want to back Barcia Ballet. I'm not telling you he can't win. And if you want to back him, fair enough. I just think he's too short and you, you're in agreement with me on that. We both think that this is too soon for high definition if he drifts out to a Japan style price on the day at twenties, by all means, he's an each way bet, but uh, defeat in this does not preclude him from being a group one winner further down the line. Like he can, he can win a group one. It's very obvious that it's, that the ability is there. Um, but I, I think I'm kind of with you. I think hurricane lane stands out. I'm very interested in Van Gogh and I'm very interested in Max Weenie. So any other outsiders that you want to touch on? No, but probably, as I say, Hurricane Lane, and, and I would side with McSwinney over Van Gogh myself. Uh, so McSwinney would be my outsider there at, at around 20s and uh, Hurricane Lane. I, I still think at 80s is a good price. Okay. Uh, are we being very dismissive of youth, uh, youth spirits race in that Sandhurst finished second, so did Wings of Eagles in the same race and came out and won the derby? Um, and this has been, the Chester Vaz has been the, the most notable of trials for Aidan O'Brien. U.S. Army Ranger took it before finishing second. Peas and carrots everywhere. Uh, Sir Dragon A won before being beaten. Uh, Ruler of the World won it on only his second start and then, of course, won the derby. Um, is there a possibility that Sandhurst is, is a lively outsider and who would be your outsider? Yeah, I suppose he'd be as good as any. Uh, Emma, to be honest, uh, especially at those prices, I, if if I'm being brutally honest, I just didn't overly like the look of that Chester Baz race. I know it's sprung up a few good horses in the last number of years, and, and Aidan O'Brien usually does target it with a good horse. But um, Santos ran a grand race. Um, just again, very hard to know. Very hard to know about jockey bookings uh, in terms of what prices you're going to get. We, we've seen in years gone by. With Aidan O'Brien, it doesn't necessarily matter uh, whether some of these horses are being ridden by supposedly the fifth, sixth string jockey because, you know, I think Aidan O'Brien sometimes goes into these races with four or five extremely well-bred colts and he, he couldn't tell you who's going to have improved the most. Um, but, yeah, no, no, Sam Sandhurst would have, a, you know, a small each-way chance. But uh, I think still... Looking down on it, I think you can overcomplicate things, and I'm trying not to uh, with, with with Hurricane Lane and McSwinney, and probably that's that's what I'm going to end up doing on the day. I, I might go in again on on the uh, Charlie Appleby horse, and I'll definitely be back on McSwinney if he turns up. Uh, but I, I would be very surprised if it wasn't one in that first five or six in the betting that was to win this race, Emmett. Pop quiz, Hotshot. How many times has Aidan O'Brien won this race in the last 10 years? And how many times has the same jockey combination partnered a horse to victory as well for him? Ah, geez, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, Do not Google it. No, I'm not. Uh, last 10 years, I will, this is pure guess, um, that he's won it five times and I'm guessing that not a single jockey has won it twice for him in that 10 years. He has won it six times. Oh! 
you were very, very close. And uh, the only one, no one has done back to back, but one person did win it twice for him. And that was Joseph. Okay. So I, jo- I should have got that. <laughs> Joseph was on Camelot in Australia. Um, but that's interesting in the sense that you've got Emmett McNamara, Shami Heffernan, Podrick Beggy, uh, followed by Joseph O'Brien and then Ryan Moore. So five different jockeys. And the, the stable number one has not ridden the winner of this race since 2013. And people were looking at the time uh, of him being on Ruler of the World and going, really? Is... is is he the right one to be on? Remember there was all that talk about Battle of Marengo and um, yeah. uh, God, even Richard Hughes was riding in that race. Jesus Christ. God almighty tonight. Richard Hughes was riding in that race. Um, Pop quiz, who was the favorite when Ruler of the World won the Derby? I have no idea. Don't approach. Oh, don't approach. <laughs> Pulled like... The proverbial. Pull, pull, pull like a four furlong horse. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It was oh, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, what was even more unbelievable was the fact that he came out and won the St. James's Palace Stakes like a couple of weeks later. A remarkable training from Jim Bulger. Um, because if you ran him in the... Honestly, if you ran him in the King's Stand, I wouldn't have been surprised because that's, that's how hard he pulled uh, that day. It was it was unbelievable. Um, so look, Aidan O'Brien's got the, the best record uh, in the race. Um, ultimately, you're settling with... Uh, Charlie Appleby is, is the man who has delivered Sheikh Mohammed. Notice how not many people are mentioning Sheikh Mohammed's name these days. I wonder why that is. No... I wonder. Mm, why would that be? Uh, Charlie Appleby is the man who gave uh, Sheikh Mohammed the Godolphin Blue victory in the Derby with Massar back in 2018. And um, you're trusting him to do it again, uh, this time in the shape of Hurricane Lane, who is bred to do the job. And I agree with you. I think the Dante was a fantastic race. Um, and I think that you're right, that Hurricane Lane is ahead of high definition now and therefore should be a shorter price. High definition may very well overtake him as the season progresses, but we're not yeah, there yet. No, I, yeah, I do. I, 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 I wouldn't know how far Hurricane Lane can go, but I, I certainly believe high definition. You, you'll see a much better horse in, you know, three or four months' time than you'll see him in the Derby. Okay, uh, very pleased to hear you mention Van Gogh, and particularly pleased to hear you mention Maxwini as well. Um, in terms of an outsider, I'll, I'll throw in Sandhurst, um, but you're not as, as uh, valuing of that form uh, as some. Valuing of that form? You don't put much stock in that form. That sounds an awful lot better, Emmett. Why didn't you say that first time around? <laughs> don't know. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, that, that race wouldn't have been for me now, I must confess. More expert anti-post insight for the Kazoo Oaks, where I think Andrew and I have two big price fancies for the race and also the Kazoo Coronation Cup as well, if we can figure out which Aiden O'Brien horses are going to turn up. But first of all, let me tell you about Top Plus, which I alluded to at the start of the show and the dulcet tones of Tuala told you a little bit about as well. Toter on a mission to provide betters and especially final Furlong podcast listeners with extra gravy with Tote Plus, which is a new enhanced dividend on all of Tote's racing pools. So, Let's do a hypothetical. Let's say you do a win bet on race day with Tote, but for some reason it pays below the SP. 
kind of sucks, doesn't it? Well, no, it doesn't. Because with the Tote SP guarantee, you are guaranteed to be paid the exact same as the SP by Tote. And on top of that, you'll get a 10% bonus. So this applies to win bets, place bets, place pots, quad pots, exactors, trifectas. Say you win a million pounds on the scoop six. You haven't won a million pounds. You've won 1,100,000 pounds because you got that 10% tote plus bump. You can't get this with an affiliate site. You can't get this with a partner site. You can only get advantage of the best value in the racing market today by placing your bets with tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official Tote app. All terms and conditions are available on tote.co.uk and tote.ie. This is a game changer, especially when the world pool kicks in for Royal Ascot. We're talking about megabucks for exactors and trifectas. The decision is easy. On race days, bet with tote.co.uk and automatically get that tote plus 10% bump on your racing winnings. All right, let's get back to the show and get back to finding some gravy. Let's switch to the Oaks then. So the Phillies, Santa Barbara, 15 to 8 favorite. Snowfall, fours. So Aiden O'Brien has the first and second in the market. Uh, there's a surprise. Uh, Zadea, who we like on the show, eights, not necessarily for this race. Teona, uh, another eight to one shot. Uh, Mother Earth won't be running and wouldn't get this trip in a horse box powered by an Elon Musk Tesla. Uh, Dubai Fountain is Nine's Noon Star, who the Stout team thought the world of, 12s. We should mention a couple of others. Shale is going to run in the 1,000 guineas of the weekend. We have seen horses come out of the Irish 1,000 guineas, I should say, and run massive races in the Oaks. I'm looking at you, Peeping Fawn. Um, so Shale will make her second start of the season for Dunnick O'Brien. Uh, whether or not she could see at this distance is another matter entirely. And Sherbert Lemon who won the Lingfield Oaks trial is a 33 to one shot. Um, let's deal with the favorite first of all. So one of the things I was saying on the show on Monday uh, with Lucy and Kate was those who are clinging to the Santa Barbara dockets will have been very pleased to have seen Mother Earth go so close to victory in the French 1000 guineas. And things didn't necessarily go to plan for her there. And she had uh, a day less of rest than Poetic Flair. And Poetic Flair bombed out. Like, he was very disappointing. Whereas Mother Earth ran a a fantastic race. Um, Didn't like Santa Barbara for the 1,000 guineas. That was on record. I don't like her for the Oaks either. And I don't like her because of her lack of experience and most of all, her price. So what is your take on on Santa Barbara? And do you look at her differently now on the back of Mother Earth having come out and run such a, a massive race in the French 1000 guineas? Yeah, well, that does help. Um, it, it helps give a, a level of kind of robustness to that 1000 guineas form that I suppose just at, right at the time, people maybe were a little bit wondering of, of how strong that race was. Look, there's no getting away from Santa Barbara. She ran a, a re- very good race in the 1,000 guineas for a filly so inexperienced. Uh, this being said, she's still an absolute myth being th- this price. Uh, like it, It's a genuine, it, it's, it's one of your old-fashioned horse racing myths 
this this Phillies 15 to 8 for the Oaks. Like, I don't know what people are seeing that I'm not seeing. I don't know whether I've had my eyes closed. It just seems to be a price based on reputation more than performance. And those are horses I hate backing. Mm. Um, look, she, she could well be too good. I don't think it looks that great a race on paper, the Oaks, I must confess. And maybe she will be too good for us. She'll obviously come forward an awful lot for that 1,000 guineas run. And also the other week I was seeing Ryan Moore getting interviewed and he talked up her pretty well. And to be honest, Ryan Moore talks so little and talks up so few that you do have to take that into consideration. But at 15 to 8, you know, in terms of value betting or in terms of even just wise betting, it's a it's a poor price. That being said, as much as it's a poor price, Emmett, it really wouldn't surprise me if this if this horse goes off shorter. Um, really? Because just yeah, no, because all, all the absolute you know shrewds and adverted commas seem to just love this horse, uh, and, and again for reasons that haven't been explained to me. Because uh, realistically, Ryan Moore will be jocked up on her, and there'll be another sea of money once that's confirmed. And I just. I couldn't, I, to be honest, she's not a filly I'd back even if she was three to one. It's not like in comparison to the, to the Derby, where if you were to hand me three to one, seven to two right now about Baljoy Ballet, I'd be very, very considerate of backing it. You could give me this filly at seven to two, I wouldn't touch her. Um, she's just not for me at all. Very inexperienced still. She was very, very green in the 1000 guineas. So you're taking it on an awful lot of trust that she'll have improved and learned an awful lot from that. And as much as she'll have come forward and have learned a fair bit, has she improved enough? Then you've got the Musadora form. I thought the, the winner was good. Snowfall, uh, she was impressive. That being said, she looked quite held as a two-year-old, so she needed to be uh, as, as good as she was to come into this Oaks picture. She seemed to relish the step up in trip. Uh, she's well worth her place as second in the betting. And, I don't know. I I think at four to one, she, she's a fair price. I don't think she's a brilliant price. I don't think she's a bad price. I think she's exactly where she should be. The two in behind her in that race are interesting. Uh, as you say, they seem to think every man and dog seem to think that Noon Star was going to win the Musadora. To my naked eye, I didn't think there was an overly amount of kind of excuses for her not winning. I think she was well held. She did hang her chance away a little bit up the straight, but didn't look to be many ma- massive excuses. And Tayona, I thought, actually ran a, a sublime race given the circumstances. She drifted mm. for the off. She was far too keen. Worry would have to be with her whether she's going to see out a mile and a half at this stage in her career. Uh, she does seem to be also, you know, maybe a little bit undercooked. And considering I'm taking on the likes of High Definition and John Leaper, I can't be going and, and putting her up, even though she's a filly, I think, that could develop into a very good one. Um, so then you're looking your way down well, that, the bar. Let's, let's focus on the yeah. on the um, Musidora for a second, because you're absolutely right about um, Noonstar. Uh, Snowfall was a, a big price, and it was a terrific ride from... Ryan Moore. It was also a brilliant interview with Lydia Hislop afterwards on racing TV because uh, we have to be reminded about last year uh, as much as we all want to forget it. Um, Aidan O'Brien gave us, Aidan O'Brien was incredibly kind to us last year uh, and is going to be on the show uh, again 
pretty soon, actually, and uh, looking forward to that. But he gave us an exclusive on the show, which was the juveniles have been sick. So a lot of the two-year-olds that we were expecting big things of or that had beautiful pedigrees weren't running anywhere to the form that, that we expected. And you were kind of getting worried. You know, where's the Aiden O'Brien juvenile superstar? Like, okay, we've got Battleground. We've got him in the locker. Where are the others? Like, wh- who else is going to emerge on the scene? And he explained that they essentially pushed their horses. They pushed the juveniles to the extent that they wanted them they wanted it as many as possible to be able to go to Royal Ascot because the Royal meeting is, and this was also very interesting, is that Royal Ascot is hugely important to Coolmore and hugely important to Ballydoyle. Um, Aiden wants success there and Coolmore as an operation wants success there. It's a, it's a global stage. Like ITV simulcast that. NBC um, have Nick Luck anchor it. And um, I think... I think Ed did me a huge favor before we went on air. He said, don't forget, you're broadcasting to 680 million homes. Thanks, Ed. Really appreciated that. That was fantastic. Just before we went live. That was that was fucking brilliant. Thank you, Ed. If I wasn't already nervous, as sure, sure as hell was then. So the eyes of the world are on Royal Ascot. And when you've got American broadcasters like NBC and Australian broadcasters like Channel 10 have the Melbourne Cup now, so they probably have it. Everyone's watching. And um, Coolmore wants success there. And they want success with their juveniles. So they were pushing to have the two-year-olds ready for the significant races there. They were pushing for the Colts and the Phillies. And it turned out that Battleground got beaten on debut. They had to rush their horses as well, if you remember that you had to, it was ridiculous. You had to run because Ireland started a week behind the UK. So you had to run in a maiden to qualify to run at at Royal Ascot. Um, Battleground finished fifth, but it still qualified him to to run. And um, he said that they got it badly wrong, that he held his hands up and he said, look, we pushed the horses too hard. Um, We had to ease off them. Some of them got sick. Uh, trust the form. These horses will come back. And, and it may be next year that you see the best of them. Um, and then we started to see the likes of St. Mark's Basilica and others emerge on the, on the scene and high definition emerge on the scene as well. So I'm prepared to forgive Snowfall her juvenile form. And Ryan's interview with Lydia was very, very telling in that he said they always thought an awful lot of her as a juvenile, but just things went wrong. And I suspect it's that little bug and the pushing them to be ready for Royal Ascot. And he said, look, impeccably bred out of the family of Found, um, who obviously went around Epsom uh, more than once, I think, from the top of my head, that uh, Found won in the Carnation Cup. Let's just say she, she did. did yeah. Yeah, I think she did, yeah, yeah. So, um, by Deep Impact, out of uh, Sister to Found um, at Galileo Mare, I think that the real snowfall was shown in the Musidora. I don't think it was a fluke, and um, 
the fact that she was odds on for her debut and three to one for uh, her second start against Shale, and she was even seven to one when taking on Pretty Gorgeous. It was l- later in her career where she started to go off at, at crazy prices. Um, she was fifties, for example, when when they ran at Newmarket. But stepping up a trip is always going to be important to her. There was another key point that Ryan Moore said as well. Not only was she held in very high regard and still is, but that going up in distance would be important to her, and that you don't have to ride her from the front. You can do pretty much whatever you want with her. You can hold her up. You can um, sit behind the leader. You can make the running. So she's very, very versatile. And it made me wonder, could Ryan jump ship to Snowfall? Because of the two that you've ridden this year, one, like Santa Barbara would be a very unusual Oaks winner for Aiden O'Brien. And he's got a killer record in this race. Uh, was in 2012. Qualify was bonkers in 2015. Uh, 2016, he takes it with Minding. 2018, Forever Together. And uh, 2020, Love. They all had vast amounts of experience as juveniles. And they had experience as three-year-olds. She doesn't. Santa Barbara doesn't. So again, I'm not saying that she can't be a Group 1 filly later on down the line. But unless this race completely cuts apart, I I don't want to back her. And I don't see how she wins the Oaks, quite frankly. I think something else will just do her for experience. Um, and I would rather back Snowfall of the two. So there's there's my argument, young man. Yeah, I think it's a very fair argument. Um, I think... Yeah, if if you are, it's just whether you're willing to forgive the the juvenile form or not, and I can see, I can clearly see why you would. Um, probably for myself, you just want to see her do it again, and obviously you, you might fair. miss her for the, for the Oaks as a result, you know, and she might go and, and win, and and you'd be there kicking yourself that you didn't just trust her. But uh, I probably would want to see it again. Um, as I say, I do like. I like that Tayona who was behind her, but I just, I'd be wary with her antics in that race yeah. in the Musadora. It wasn't, um, it was a very good run given the circumstances, but um, the, you know, the circumstances at Epsom are, you know, you're, it's a long way down to the mile and a half start, a long, long time to boil over and, and lose your race. And she'd also have her stamina issues, potential stamina issues there. So, I couldn't be having her. Uh, the the Oaks trial at Chester, I thought, was a, a strong enough race. I think the two of them are good horses to buy Fountain and Zadea, is it? Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, 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 it's gas that you're asking me for pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, well, geez, I don't have a clue about this this or Zadea, but... Let's go, let's go with Zendaya, um, star of the um, Marvel Spider-Man films. Um, MJ... <laughs> Oh, you thought I'd forgotten to talk about Marvel? Never. Uh, I think it's Zendaya. I think it's Zendaya. Yeah, but we're now calling her Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go with Zendaya. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, she was. <laughs> she was very unlucky at, at Chester. I thought. Um, I think if the two of them, herself and Dubai, were to run against each other again, I would say that uh, Zendaya might well 
reverse that form and, and the odds would indicate that. I think a lot of people have cottoned on to that. Um, she would certainly be there for me. I'd be very keen potentially on having a few quid on her. I think she's quite nice. Um, and I think she's just potentially a little bit more streetwise than Teona. Uh, but the one in this that I am backing, I actually have backed her today. Um, and I'm hoping to goodness that she has a lovely race course gallop next week because that's what's been uh, announced as the plan. And if she pleases everybody in that she'll go and run in this uh, is Jane Chapelheim's horse, Saffron Beach. Second in the 1,000 guineas. Yeah, who's currently 16 to 1. Look, again, leap of faith required. Um, She's only ran her over a mile uh, and the 1000 guineas was even the first time she ran over a mile I think she just strikes me like the, the type of horse that really wants a trip uh, she was two from two last year over seven furlongs she won a listed race sorry she won a group three race mm. uh, on soft ground uh, then she won the, or she was second closing in the Nell Gwynn and was second closing in the 1000 guineas she was ahead of Santa Barbara that day and you're getting 16 to one about one and 15 to eight about the other I don't believe, I don't understand how that's the case by the fact that one's trained by Jane Chapelheim and one by Aidan O'Brien. I think there's every possibility that she might get this trip. She seems to be a very genuine horse. She gives an awful lot in her races. Adam Kirby rides her to very good effect. And I just think at the prices, and I am coming at this from a price perspective, that she is 16 to 1. And Yes, there are obviously unknowns, but there are unknowns about the favourite, and yet people seem to be more than willing to back the favourite seven to four, even though there's just as many unknowns about her as there is on Saffron Beach. And you're getting a proper juicy each way price about her. I do believe she'll run. They're entitled to run. We know she's up to the standard. As I say, I'm not sure it's a vintage renewal of the Oak. Certainly on paper going into the race, it's not a vintage renewal. I think she's a proper group one filly. The only thing you're thinking about is stamina. But if she passes the stamina test, she'll be bang there, I believe. And 16 to one is just too big a price for me to let go. One firm. One firm going 16s. Uh, But they do not sponsor the show. Toto. So we ain't mentioning you. Uh, (laughs) I I will say that uh, I'm in agreement with you in that I think that this is not a vintage renewal of the race which then does of course lead to the point that we could very well see Santa Barbara go and win this um, I would prefer to back Snowfall I'm very much with you in that That I kind of want to see it again but given the choice between Snowfall, Noonstar and Teona and Santa Barbara I'll take Snowfall thank you very much but the horse that I've decided to back and the horse that I have backed is Sherbet Lemon for Archie Watson, who's by my favorite stallion, Lemon Drop Kid, uh, out of Famous. Um, so I'm very intrigued to know what your viewpoint is. She was beaten at Weatherby. I suspect she just needed it. Um, didn't race as a juvenile. Um, her first win came back in February on the old weather, and uh, Newcastle has been a breathing ground to plenty of Oaks winners. I'm looking at you, Enable. Um, and she beat uh, a horse of uh, William Haggis's that day uh, quite comfortably, um, who had won uh, prior to that, but that form wouldn't be be up to this. Um, what 
I really liked about her was the the guts and tenacity that she showcased at, at Lingfield. She clearly had learned an awful lot from her uh, second start and um, the market ignored her and the market's ignoring her again. And uh, I like I liked the race. I thought it was uh, it was a steadily run affair. And I can I can get why some people will be dismissive of it, and how why some people will look at it and go, nah, not for me. That's fine, but at thirty three to one, Sherbert Lemon just stands out to me as a horse who will stay the trip, and in a what we've both agreed on is a average enough renewal as things stand, um, and she will run here, and she'll stay. I think she's too big. Um, and she may very well have the assistance of Holly Doyle on the day. I don't know, but she might. Um, so that's where my uh, shackles have gone. That's where the, the couple of Kennedy cents have gone. Um, what's your take on Sherbert Lemon? And what was your take on that Linkfield's Oakstra? Yeah, no, I wouldn't put you off Sherbert Lemon at all. Uh, I think people sometimes get it in their head when a horse wins one of these races that are big price that it's automatically a fluke. And I think you can slightly say that with even snowfall in the Moose Door. I think quite a lot of people were quite quick to say, oh, what's happened there? Mm. Uh, I thought Sherbert Lemon did it well. I'm not sure about the form of the race. Um, I was very, very disappointed. I backed a horse called, I think, uh, a filly called Nash Nasha who ran an absolute oh, stinking geez, race. Ran horrible. Yeah. For, uh, another for one of those Godolphin fillies who just, uh, Godolphin horses even, who just re looks to have the world at, at their feet and just bombed. Yeah, no, she ran a, a stinking race. Um, and I thought she was going to win that race and, and potentially make up into an Oaks filly. And that went down the, the tubes pretty quickly. Uh, no, but there was a few nice horses in behind. I suppose you you do wonder if the ground got soft that day at Lingfield, you know, will she be able to repeat that form on better ground at Epsom? I see no reason to suggest why she couldn't. Uh, she'll be, and she's another big price again. So uh, I, I don't mind uh, people having swings at big prices, especially horses that have won trials like the way she has. As you say, she's a guaranteed stare. She's got an awful lot of guts and tenacity. And those are... Our attributes I like. So, um, no, I couldn't put you off Sherbert Lemon at all. And um, I, I, I think that that race will end up being a grand race, that Lingfield Oaks trial. It probably won't be one of, you won't look back at it in a few years and go, uh, look at all those superstars. But I'd be disappointed if it hadn't thrown up a few decent horses in behind. And uh, there was certainly, there was a, a Hugo Palmer horse. Um, I think in the Qatar Racing Silks who's quite a nice horse so um, I think Sherbert Lemon yep I, I wouldn't put you off for it at all yeah, the um, Hugo Palmer horse is Ocean Road who had one yeah, and uh, Save a Forest was uh, was second um, the other point of this is that Noon Star was the horse who beat her back in Weatherby and uh, Noon Star couldn't live with, with um, Snowfall so we kind of come back to that Musidora form then as well. Um, and again, I just think that you could you could look at uh, the Weatherby performance and think, God, that was disappointing. You know, how did she then come out and win a, a Lingfield Oaks trial? Don't complicate your mind. She did win a Lingfield Oaks trial. She has won an Oaks trial. And um, Noonstar 
quite simply wasn't up to it against um, against Snowfall. Now she may very well take a big step forward, but she had experience. You know, she'd run twice as a juvenile. Um, she'd won her comeback, beating um, uh, my my selection for Archie Watson, Sherbet Lemon. Um, whereas Sherbet Lemon didn't run as a juvenile and has only had the three starts. So I think she'll have learned an awful lot from Lingfield and will come forward. Whereas Noon Star's bubble, I think, was burst at um, at York. Q Noon Star bolting up by 20 lengths and James Savage dialing into the show live to go, ha 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 ha, you fools. Um, so final selections. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Sherbet Lemon for me. Um, she'll be... She's my main selection uh, for you, my friend. Yeah, my main selection is Saffron Beach for okay. Jane Chapelheim. All right. And uh, like I said, one firm are going 16s. Uh, so we may as well touch on the Coronation Cup, which uh, reverts back to its original day. For some reason, I thought the Coronation Cup used to be run on a Saturday and was then switched to a Friday. And we kind of got into this thing with Kate and Lucy. I was wrong. And... Uh, <laughs> I do not apologize because uh, uh, why would you apologize? That would just be a stupid thing to do. Apologize? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Alassi, we saw win at the weekend and um, and win well. Japan, you and I were joking off air. What did you call Mogul? Mongrel. How dare you? How dare you? Um, so Mogul obviously needs a couple of runs to, to get going. How the hell did Japan win first time out? I'm still perplexed by this. Uh, and beat Trushan as well. So I beat a serious horse over a mile five in the Ormond Stakes, and, but we'll be dropping back. And I think uh, this is the race for him. So look, we'll, we'll deal with Alassi in a second. Um, we can't not touch on the, on the Coolmore link here because there's so many of them. And it's trying to figure out who the hell's going to run. Uh, so let's um, uh, let's remember the fact that uh, Aidan O'Brien won this with the greatest horse he's ever trained. The uh, all-time European money prize winner, Highland Reel. What a star. Absolute legend. 7.5 million pounds in prize money. Ah! Oh, if you're not sending your horse to Highland Reel, something's very wrong with you or your mare is out of um, Galileo, in which case you can't. Still, go for it. Go for a bit of incest. Um, go for a bit of Game of Thrones, um, Lannister incest, and uh, just get those that Highland Reel bloodlines uh, flying through your your uh, foals, veins. You'll be guaranteed a superstar. Um, Aidan O'Brien's won this four times in the last 10 years, but uh, his last time was with 2017 with, with Highland Rail. Um, Reath took it last year, Defoe and Cracksman, the most recent winners. Uh, so Godolphin have got a, a good record in this. It's William Haggis who heads the betting uh, with Al Assi. Uh, trying to break down who's going to run for Aidan O'Brien is the, the interesting thing here. So we've got um, Japan, who I think is pretty much a guaranteed runner. Uh, I would... Be pretty certain he'll turn up. Uh, Broom, I think they'll want to stick to 10 furlongs with him for now. Um, and Armory, the same. I think 10 furlongs is still in the agenda for him. Love, the latest we've heard as we record is that Love will run in the, the Tattersalls Gold Cup, which makes sense. Um, and it would make sense that Mogul runs there as well. Uh, they wouldn't be at all... Um, 
afraid of doing that. So probably Serpentine and maybe Tiger Moth. They could be the ones who, who run here as well. Um, so of the of the horses in, in the market, um, do you want to be with Japan? Or is this all a case of uh, the Shadow Estate Company have got this by the short and curlies and uh, Al Asi will continue to build on his four and a half length win at the start of the season and his four length defeat of Thunderous and a very disappointing logician. And William Haggis will uh, add this one to his glorious CV. He's a damn good trainer, William Haggis. Yeah, very hard to know. As you say, very hard to know which O'Brien horses rock up here. I think there's 18 horses declared. I think O'Brien has nine or ten of them. Mm. And you, you can only imagine he's, he's probably going to run a max of three, uh, I'd have thought. Uh, so it will cut up quite a bit. Um, Alazi, yeah, very visually impressive there last week at Newbury. Um if I'm being brutally honest, I just thought it turned into a tin pot race, though. Um, and he's ended up winning on the bridle. Everyone gets, you know, very jumpy when a horse wins a flat race on the bridle for reasons. Um, for the same reasons as the people backing Santa Barbara at seven to four, really. It just seems to in, just makes them enjoy life that little bit more. Uh, <laughs> people have quickly forgotten that he got absolutely stuffed by Mogul in the Gordon Stakes at Goodwood. Last year, um, I I think Al Aziz is a very good horse. He may well win this race because it won't be the strongest Group One in the world. But I think at a really strong Group One level, he's going to come up short. I think he's been flattered uh, by his runs there at at Newbury. The two runs look look they're they're good performances. I'm not taking that away from him. I just thought mm-hmm. like he's beating Thunderous Four Lengths and Logician, who looks a quarter of the horse he used to. Um, and he's winning on the bridle and everyone's jumping up and down and backing him now for this at four to five or even money. Like, it's not great. Japan, uh, I'll have to have words with myself whether I, I have to go back to the the edge of the cliff that I've so... Do it. Strong, Do it. Go so, on. So you know you want to. strongly fallen off uh, with Japan. And I kind of gave up on him halfway through last year. Uh, and I was quite glad because then he got he got beaten quite heavily a couple of times. But then I obviously wasn't on him at Chester. He did it quite nicely, as you say. True chance, not a bad horse. Drops back to a mile and a half, probably at the prices I'd want to see him do it again. The one I'm very very interested in, and as I say, it's completely pie in the sky which of these O'Brien horses runs. Um, so this horse may well not run at all, or he might need the run, or various different reasons. But Tiger Moth, I think, is a fascinating horse this year. Now we're talking as a fo- as a four year old. Um, mostly, like I know he went down and he was second in the Melbourne Cup, which was probably an excellent performance considering um, he probably doesn't stay two miles. Yeah, they're they're never his- they're never going to run him over two miles ever again. Yeah, no, he blatantly doesn't stay, but uh, he, he ran a super race for a horse that probably doesn't stay. It was his performance on the champ- Champions Weekend at Leopardstown that I yes. thought was different world completely. I went into that race and there was actually one of Joseph's horse, horses, um, what's his name, Patrick Sarsfield. I just thought well, was running in that race and I didn't think he could be beat. Oh, and- Sarah Lineham and I were all over him. 
Yeah, I just didn't think he could beat it. And he'd been a horse that had won me plenty of money all the last year. And I thought he was the bee's knees. And he went into this race. Now, he probably didn't stay himself. But this horse, I was quite keen to take Tiger Moth on in that race. I remember watching the race going, this horse is an absolute freak. Uh, and he beat Silence Please four lengths. Now, Silence Please has kind of given mixed messages to that form since then. But I just thought he, he won that like in the style of a very, very good horse. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if this horse makes up into being a proper Group 1 horse over a mile and a half this year. Um, as I say, there's a number of different factors you know, I see he's currently around the 14 to 1 mark. Will he run? Is he going to be ready to do himself justice? These are things that you have to do bear in mind. But I certainly have seen stranger things than Tiger Moth running a big race because I, I think he could be excellent. And maybe the horse out of all of these to maybe take forward into the season, he's very unexposed as four-year-olds go. Uh, and probably more so from a case that I'm not a massive fan of the top two in the market. Uh, I was a once a, a diehard Japan fan. I'm struggling to bring myself back onto board with him, and I've never really been overly taken on this Alazi. So Tiger Mott, if he was to run, uh, I think could run a big race and certainly one to watch out for this year as a four-year-old. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it is interesting that he's entered for the Gold Cup because Aidan O'Brien could not have been clearer on the show on the stable tour at the start of the season that we are not going to run him over two miles again. Um, so maybe it's the lads just keeping their options open with him. Um, which, I mean, look, you've you've got to pay money to enter in these races. They don't care. Whenever you see an Aidan O'Brien horse says, entered in the Derby, that's the most pointless thing to write on a spotlight. <laughs> of course he's entered in the derby. Of course they are. The, the second they hit the ground, they're registered and entered in the derby, for God's sakes. It doesn't if mean... They, if Aidan O'Brien trained me, he'd enter, <laughs> enter me in the derby. Like, it's no skin off his nose or the lad's nose. Like, exactly. They're just going to do it. Like. Exactly. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the th one of the things that has been a little bit embarrassing for them is that they took out Sir Dragon A and they took out Serpentine. Um, but hey, it worked out really well with um, with Serpentine, so they didn't care in the end. But uh, all of these horses, the second they land on the ground, they're essentially entered. So it's the most pointless thing. Uh, and it frustrates me no end whenever I read it. And it, the same goes for Godolphin, by the way. If a Darley horse, or it's Godolphin now, isn't it? They don't really call them Darley anymore. It's all meant to be under the same operation. Um, entered in the Derby. No shit, dum-dum. Of course. Of course they're entered in the Derby. Unless they're a gelding. Yes, they're entered in the Derby, for God's sakes. Um, but uh, Tiger Moth in my view, should have won the Irish Derby. I think he was incredibly unlucky that day. And uh, that doesn't say a whole lot because Santiago hasn't exactly done the world, um, hasn't, hasn't exactly uh, set the world alight. But Order of Australia has come out of that race and um, won the British Cup mile. Uh, and again, funny season. You know, just a weird year where um, horses were being shoved into races that they weren't necessarily wanting to be shoved into. Um, the the race at Leopardstown, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Best named race of the year 
We will give out a shout out to Petty Power. Is it 2021 yet? Stakes Group 3. Fair play, lads. That was... When their marketing team get it right, damn, did they get it right. Uh, and he bolted up. And he was back to do so. And that that late money that came in for him, I thought was significant as well. So, um, yes, I'm very, very keen on him. And he did run a blinder in the Melbourne Cup. Um, but it's not the intention to go back to two miles. They see him as a 10 furlong horse. Um, and they see him as a, as a 12 furlong horse. So we're either going to see him this weekend or in the coronation. And I'd prefer to see him in the coronation, uh, to be honest about it. Um, and I think he's a great shout from Andrew Blair White. I think he's a booming shout from uh, from Blair White. So 16s is gettable uh, about Tiger Moth. Um, and uh, again, we are playing a complete guessing game here. The only horse that I'm somewhat confident about that will run is Japan. Uh, so Q... Broom runs instead and uh, love switches to this race and the whole world turns upside down. But no, I think Japan will run uh, and I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Tiger Moth did him. Um, he's, he's got an, an exciting future. Uh, let's do a patent. Let's go for a patent, my man. So your Oaks bet. Saffron Beach. You're going to go with Tiger Moth then and the Coronation. And uh, in the Derby. And the big man, Hurricane Lane. Okay. Uh, I will go with Van Gogh. Van Gogh! That's <coughs> for Delargy. Uh Van Gogh to win the Derby. Um, it's got to be Archie Watson's horse. It's got to be Archie Watson's horse in the in the Oaks. She's too big a price. Um, so we'll go with um, Sherbert Lemon at 33s. Starting to close, by the way. Closing to 20s, 25s. I think at 33s is, is big. And um, I'll go with Japan for the Coronation Cup. Um, I'm quite keen to stick on Alazi as well. Uh, that's it. That is it. Uh, do you have any particular views on the Curra at the weekend, my man? Uh, Lucky Vega. You can put as many pounds or euros as you want on. I love the fact that I just asked that question and instantly you just go, yeah, game over, Lucky Vega. I love this horse. Absolutely love what he did in uh, the big six furlong race at at the Curra last Phoenix. Yeah, the Phoenix stakes. I've never seen the likes. I've never seen the likes. And to be honest, if he was trained by certain AP O'Brien he we, we wouldn't have heard the end of that performance um he was then unlucky in the national stakes uh he was um he then went over to, he ran in the middle park didn't he and he came mm. second ran a good race i just i was quite sweet on him for the 2000 guineas i wasn't sure whether he was going to stay or not ran a blinder of a race arguably a little bit unlucky as well because uh, the two horses were closing in on him right at the finish and I'm hoping that compensation awaits I think it's a great show um, with, with Lucky Vega uh, and Jess Garrington's stable form has kind of turned around a little bit as well she was kind of in and out there for a bit but um, yeah I, there's a lot to like about Lucky Vega and has bags of experience as well um, 
I found it a, a difficult race, actually, because you're again in this position of who the hell is Aiden going to run? Um, I've noticed the, the money come in for Wembley. Don't think we haven't noticed that since we talked about it on Monday. Um, because Lucy and Kate made two very good points. And I think it was Lucy was driving this, this point uh, mostly, to be fair. Um, I was stressing, don't run Van Gogh, please don't. Uh, because... Lucy's note before the 2000 guineas was too slow to win the 2000 guineas will win Derby. And I went, I'll take that. I'll happily take him winning the Derby. That's, that's worth, that's worth a bag of sand to me. I'll gladly take that. <laughs> um, the vibes about battleground were very negative. They were like, when I asked Aiden about battleground, uh, I was expecting a, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I was expecting a, a more positive response than the one I got, which was, we'll let the lads decide on the day or closer to the day, whether he runs. And I, that, that was anything but positive. And meanwhile, he was raving about Wembley and St. Mark's Basilica. Um, so let me ask you this, St. Mark's Basilica coming out and winning the French 2000 guineas. Does that then give you hope in that, if you look at a horse like Wembley uh, and Thundermoon, to make you go, that could not possibly have been their runs on the day, and St. Mark's Basilica has proved that by winning the French 2000 Guineas, or was that just St. Mark's Basilica with an individually brilliant performance, and he's gone clear of the rest? Uh, I probably going to sit on the fence an awful lot here Emma, uh, in terms of this response uh, I think they uh, they didn't run to form the two of them Wembley and Thunder Moon uh, I'd be very very shocked if Thunder Moon wins a group one this year yeah agreed. Uh, I thought he, uh, he looked a shell in comparison and I know Lydia Hislop was saying it on racing TV before before the race like this horse looked minute in comparison to everything else that had actually grown into being a man um, so I think he's been left behind physically. Wembley may go close. I'm just having my worries, even as a two-year-old, that he always found one too good. Mm. And I'd, I never like horses like that. And in regards to St. Mark's Basilica, he was very good in the French 2000 guineas, but I wouldn't be holding that form very literally uh, myself. I thought, it was, I thought it was a messy race. Um, I know you said earlier about Bulger's horse kind of blowing out, and he did to a certain extent, but they were they went no gallop. That Bulger horse probably will need 10 furlongs in time. Poetic flair. So yeah. I, I'd want to see St. Mark's Basilica win another group one. Uh, I don't know when we'll see that, whether he'll go to the St. James's Palace maybe or something like that. Uh, I don't know what the story is with him, but I I don't know. I just wouldn't trust that French form. French racing kind of blows my mind at times with how slowly they can go, uh, and it just all quickens up, and then people are caught on heels. It, it turns into a bit of a mess. And that one, I'd, I'd be taking the the one thousand guineas form, the French one thousand guineas form more literally. They went more of an even gallop in that race. Yeah, that, that's actually a very fair point. I thought Saint Mark's Basilica did something that he hadn't shown as a juvenile. And again, this kind of goes back to the issues that Aiden O'Brien had with these two-year-olds um, in that they they weren't 
particularly well. Some of them were, were suffering um, some setbacks. Uh, some of them were, were straight up ill. And um, one of the things that St. Mark's Basilica didn't demonstrate as a juvenile was a turn of foot. He didn't really um, demonstrate a turn of foot that could get himself out of trouble. He, he seemed to win the Dewhurst by staying on. Um, now I, I love that performance and I uh, straight up, I tipped him on the show and backed him. Um, and we put up the trifecta as well. So yeah, we were rolling in that cash in that, in that Darley Dewhurst cash, baby. Thank you. Tote. Um, we were rolling in that, in that cash. Uh, and then of course I blew it a couple of weeks later, but, um, one of the things about St. Mark's Basilica is that he hadn't really demonstrated uh, a devastating turn of foot. He did in France. I thought he, he did in France and, and uh, a turn of foot that got himself out of trouble. Um, which made, and the fact that the note on the racing post is ran on strongly comfortably uh, makes me think that he can progress from here. So, like, would you agree with that, that at, at least the turn of foot was there, whereas it was lacking as a juvenile? Ah, yes, and of course he, he could come on leaps and bounds. I I just, possibly for for next time out, I'd, I'd, again, he'd be one of these horses, I'd just like to see him do it again. If he did it again and, and won like he did in that race in, in another group one in, in England or in Ireland, you, you'd have to think he's an excellent horse. Um I just, I, I, sometimes I, I struggle to get sold on these horses just quite immediately, but usually end up finding my way to um, get sold. So I would just be holding out on him. And to be fair to Poetic Flair, he ran flat, but he did stay on towards the finish. And you're probably right, 10 furlongs is going to be his, his trip ultimately. But for a horse that could have been beaten five, six lengths, he ends up only been beaten two and a quarter lengths. It was still disappointing, but it was just, it was a flat performance from him. Oh yeah, it was, it was disappointing because you were hoping he, he might be the real deal and he still may well be, but he just didn't quite look himself. I think it, over a mile, he probably needs a much stronger run race uh, realistically, or as I say, maybe a little bit of a step up in trip. But um, I'm sure they were a little bit disappointed. I'd say the only reason, like Jim Boulder doesn't throw many over to France just for the sake of it. So uh, I, I'd assume they w went over there really expecting him to win and therefore him coming fifth wasn't really exactly what they were looking for. Even though he did kind of hit the line hard, I suspect that was a very little uh, kind of consolation for the for those involved. Julian Muscat has written an article for the Racing Post saying credible British hopes for the Derby are in short supply and no wonder. Julian Muscat complaining. No. Well, Julian, to be fair, our boy Andrew Blair White, one of the best in the game, thinks you are going to win the Derby. Pretty yeah. he's pretty sure that Hurricane Lane is going to get the job done. And you know what's going to happen then? It's going to go down as a victory for the UAE. <laughs> Sheikh Mohammed emerges from the shadows and goes, screw all y'all. This, this victory goes straight down to the UAE. <laughs> this is all about Dubai, baby. Right. Are you going to follow us? Uh, do you agree with us? Um, what do you think of our take on the anti-post positions for the Derby and the Oaks? Let us know at Final Furlan Pod. Andrew, on Twitter, you are? A Blair White 13. So you're the 13th 
uh, of the Blair Whites. Yeah, hey, Blair White 1 to 12 was unfortunately taken. So you went for the real original Andrew Blair White 13. Jesus Christ, man. Come, come on, man. <laughs> couldn't, you, couldn't you just on, like, uh, Gravy Train, uh, Gravy Train <laughs> Killer 13? <laughs> Um, I think of changing it to that if you're if you're that interested. Andrew Blair Gravy Train White. Let's go with that instead. That's the winner for now, my man. Uh, great to get your views on the Derby Oaks and uh, the Coronation Cup, for that matter. And if we've landed the patent here in some variety, whether it's you or me or a combination of the two of us, we're going to live off that for the rest of the year. Well, for the rest of my life, <laughs> not the rest of the year. That comes in. I think the next time you're on is for Royal Ascot, because that's not going to yeah. interfere with your um, cricket commentary. So we'll we'll uh, have you on for that, my man. And looking forward to it. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Enjoy the cricket commentary. Try not to fall asleep while you're watching it. And uh, <laughs> best of luck with um, Hurricane Lane. I will be very much invested and therefore cheering you on, uh, Andrew Blair White, ladies and gentlemen. So follow Andrew at a Blair White thirteen at Final Furlan Pod and at Radio Emmet as you can get us on social media uh, do you agree with our selections or do you think we are idiots who've got this completely wrong let us know on social media uh, we love to hear from you take care thanks for listening look after yourself and stay safe talk to you soon God bless the Final Furlan Podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast think you can't get better value think again 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at toast.co.uk first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com